Hey there, well, welcome to Revolutionary Health. Revolutionary Health is a program of the Counter Narrative Project. Our mission is to build power among black gay men and to work in coalition and solidarity with all movements committed to social and racial justice. My name is Johnny Cornegay, and I am the Director of Mobilization for the Counter Narrative Project. So, a couple of things before we get started. You should go ahead and like this video. So if you are joining us right now, hit the little thumbs up button to like the video and make sure that you go ahead and share it. If you have any questions, put them into the chat box, which you can um, chat with us live uh, right here on YouTube. You can follow us on Facebook at Counter Narrative Project, on Instagram at The Counter Narrative, and on Twitter at Building Desire. I am incredibly grateful to be joined by... So, Dr. Quentin Robinson, or I think everyone calls me Dr. Q now, so that works. <laughs> um, me and Dr. Q are going to chat. So, okay, so the title of this um, is Prep a Dirty Word. So, um, so one of the things that I did is I went ahead and I linked all of our videos that we've done about prep so far um, at the bottom of this. So if you're curious about what our other conversations have been like, you can go ahead and you can look at those. But we really wanted to dive into this conversation about prep and stigma. So... Okay, first and foremost, so Dr. Q, so I got this Band-Aid on because um, I decided to have an HIV test today. Good for you. And, yes, and so I'm on back on the path. I've told my prep story before. You can see it in episode three, um, but I am going to start prep again. Um, and um, so the first step was, okay, just kind of catching up and understanding what my HIV status, et cetera, et cetera, and I had this new test where they pricked my finger and did a whole thing and it was fascinating but um so prep can you refresh us on what prep is all right so prep stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis which is essentially before your exposure to hiv we're going to try and prevent it all right so prep is not a pill prep is a process is how i look at it ah, so it, you know part of that process is making sure that you're hiv negative so you get an hiv test every time you get started for or start prep and while you're on prep you get an hiv test every three months and you take a medication called truvada which is a little blue pill you take that every day so and along with taking the pill every day and getting your hiv test and getting your sti testing that is prep um, question. So, um, can you, so when we talk about the little blue pill and you take it, should you use condoms with PrEP? So, it is your choice. Got it. It is recommended that you use condoms with PrEP because PrEP only protects you against HIV. PrEP does not protect you against syphilis, gonorrhea, and chlamydia, which is pretty much rampant. I mm -hmm. think everyone's heard for at least the last year, that this is, we're on par again for 2018 to have a significant increase in number of STIs again. Okay. Um, you talked about this in our previous show a little bit. One of the things that you noted um, and I, is that more people are getting tested, which is a good thing. Right. Um, so something to keep in mind as well um, is, you know, as more people are getting tested and more people are inquiring about stuff like PrEP, um, that can drive some of these numbers. Yes, yeah, well. exactly. The, the one of those things, if you look for it, you're probably going to find it. Mm -hmm. So 
part of it is people's sexual behavior, from at least in my experience, really hasn't changed that much in the last what forty years since the sexual revolution or so. Mm-hmm. Actually, maybe fifty. If you go to nineteen sixty, so people's behaviors really haven't changed that much. But if you start looking for STIs, and specifically when you talk about men who have sex with men, mm-hmm. you can have gonorrhea, chlamydia, or syphilis and not have a single symptom. symptom. So if you start to look in places where you haven't traditionally looked, you may find more STIs. So you're going, for me, you're going to see an increase at least for the next five years. And then you'll probably see it level off as we start to treat. Yes. So if you find it, make sure you treat it. Got it. Um, so one of the things we really wanted to dive in, um, and as you, for folks that are watching, um, please ask your questions in the chat box, and we'll um, I'll do my best to like look at that um, as we're chatting this evening. But really wanted to dive in to this idea of prep stigma. Okay, can you walk me through super high level kind of the 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 journey of prep? Okay, so prep first got approved. Back in 2012. Mm-hmm. So we're actually, at this point, seven years into a, of PrEP being available. At least for the first five years, only very small populations knew about it. Okay. So, And there really were populations that had a high number of men who have sex with men. So we're talking our coastal populations. New York, New York. L.A., and San Francisco. Got it. You know, they were the, heart, the, the epicenters of the HIV epidemic historically. So they were definitely going to be on the forefront when it comes to prevention. But around 2012, you know, certain people from another organization started talking about, you know, Truvada for PrEP and labeled people who were using Truvada as Truvada whores. So there was this whole thing about, you know, Truvada whores. If you're taking Truvada, you're increasing, you know, your number of sexual partners or increasing, you know, risky behavior. So there was a little bit of pushback from certain parts of the community. You know, along that line, some people actually took Truvada whores and kind of tried to turn it into a positive. So for okay. a couple of years, people were like, yeah, I'm a Truvada whore because they're promoting PrEP, PrEP. and promoting okay. HIV prevention. Um, but then that, that was just a little bit in 2012, but you really didn't hear much about Truvada for PrEP between 2012 and really maybe 2015. Mm -hmm. I think around 2015 is when the CDC, who's kind of like our leading government agency that talks about things that we should be doing, released, you know, some recommendations. Mm -hmm. So you had PrEP available for three years. Nobody really talked about it except for these small little hubs around the country. The CDC comes out in 2015 and says, hey, PrEP is a good thing. It works. Mm -hmm. So you had a, a little bit of an uptick in 2015. So Primarily those of us who work in HIV practices or infectious disease doctors, community health clinics, places like Planned Parenthood in your health department Mm -hmm. or sexual health clinics, we're kind of talking about it, but nobody was really, really pushing it in terms of prescribing. Got it. And then, you know, we hit 2017, 2018, drug company puts out a television commercial. The drug company starts to really push and promote it. Mm -hmm. And then you have international organizations talking about it. Excuse me. And so you get you're to where we are at 2019, where everybody's talking about it and trying to get the information to those communities that are at highest risk now. So that's kind of a, a very, very high level brief timeline of kind of where we've come from with prep in the last seven years. Hmm. I think it's so interesting that you mentioned the idea of the Travada whore, like because I remember 
at the very beginning, when I first started to hear about PrEP, I guess it was like late 2014, late 2015. Um, and there were several things that, that were coming to mind, in particular like black folks. Um, it was like, okay, what is this pill doing? Like to the, like, what is this pill doing to the body? There was that, right? So there was that one piece. But then, then it was steeping in like, so the Travada whore um, kind of label propped up and it just, I remember hearing it and like, oh, like we have to push back against this because this is just a, this is a tool. This is another tool. That's a good thing. Um, I'm curious to know as a, as a physician, like what are some things that you've heard people ask questions about as it relates to? So I think a lot of the questions I've heard actually have come out now that we've had a broader conversation in terms mm -hmm. of the general public. I talk about um, one of my Facebook friends from college who had seen the Truvada commercial, mm -hmm. and she's a non-clinician, mm -hmm. and she's just like, what is this? So to that one point, you know, specifically amongst black people, what is this drug? What is this drug doing? Why are we pushing this drug to marginalized populations, people who are at risk, who are, mm -hmm. you know, the kind of on the outskirts? And she's like, why are we doing this? And part of it is, you know, those are the groups that are at risk. Mm -hmm. And to kind of reel it back a little bit, Truvada for PrEP. Truvada is a drug that's been around since 2004, 2005. Yeah. So we have a lot of experience with the drug itself. Mm -hmm. So just quick and dirty about how drugs get approved. You, there's lab development. You try it on healthy humans to see how it works. Then you try it on your treatment population. So Truvada had been used for years to treat HIV mm. along with other medications. So you're like, hey, if you think about it this way, you know, you use penicillin to treat this infection or look at very high-level ID stuff, malaria. The same medicine that you can use to treat malaria, you can use to prevent malaria. So why wouldn't that same concept work with HIV? Mm. The medicines that you use to treat HIV, you could potentially use to prevent it. So that's kind of how we got from this thing with Truvada. So there's a lot of history with Truvada. The drug is safe. Yeah. So that initial concern came out like what is this drug why are people who don't have hiv taking a drug to prevent something and so it's kind of one of those like you know people have the stigma that's associated with hiv mm -hmm. in and of itself so it's kind of like that's kind of where a lot of that came from yeah. in terms of that that mistrust yeah. and the other thing is just like you know people are taking it i think this came out of the out of the truvada horror kind of commentary back in 2012 was like people were trying to equate Truvada as a pill in place of condoms. So mm. we say it was the Truvada or condoms, condoms right. when the conversation really is Truvada and, and condoms. Yeah. Ah, thank you so much. And we did have a question. Thank you so much, Walter, for this question. Um, so if HIV, it's now almost at a pa pandemic levels, shouldn't they be marketing PrEP um, extremely ready and available for free for the masses? So that's a, a loaded question in terms of making Truvada for PrEP free. Yes, the drug has been around for a while. And you've probably seen on social media a lot of commentary about having the drug company release the patent so that you can then make generics. Generic versions. Which, and generics tend to be cheaper. Um, I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing, but I also feel that Truvada really 
isn't as unavailable as people think. Mm. You know, there are ways to get it. Okay. So, and I think it actually leads into a conversation yeah, we were having earlier. So, yes, Truvada is available for prep for people who have commercial insurance. You have to find a willing um, provider who's willing to, to prescribe it. So, shameless plug, www.preplocator.org. Thank you. you. Put in your zip code. You, it gives you a list of prep providers in your area. It's not exhaustive and extensive, but it's those of us who've registered as a prep provider. Okay. You can find that there. So, one that helps you to find a provider. The for those who have commercial insurance, mm-hmm. um, the drug company provides up to seven thousand dollars worth of ins- of assistance in terms of for you to to get the medication. Okay. So people talk about the cost of the drug, but the drug company is giving you a pretty significant amount of money to cover the cost for those who have commercial insurance. In the state of Georgia, from what I've been told, it is available on Medicaid and Medicare. Awesome. So you've, you cover your commercially insured, your Medicare and Medicaid patients are covered. So for those who don't have insurance, mm-hmm. um, there are other options in yeah. terms of, you know, Fulton County, mm-hmm. um, has a, a way of offering prep, in terms of prep assistance mm-hmm. or actually getting the drug. Now there are other costs involved with prep, which is your HIV test, your STI testing. Mm-hmm. Those things aren't necessarily covered all the time, but actually getting access to the drug is covered. Mm-hmm. And there's a patient assistance program for that. Yeah. And one of the things that you know, is also available and kind of kind of leading the conversation to stigma and prep availability, um, you can get prep online. I am curious. Please tell me about this because I'm, I'm surprised. Right. So this is just something that's newly available in Georgia. Okay. Um, it may have been previously available, I want to say, New York, California, and D.C. Um, but it's uh, one particular website. I don't know if there are other companies, but it's called NewRx.com. So it's N-U-R-X. Okay. And essentially with this process, you answer a couple of questions to kind of assess your risk of HIV infection. Okay. Um, you give them some, some personal information, your name, ID. If you have insurance, you provide that. They provide via mail. So in the privacy oh. of your own home, you can do your own STI testing, and you can do your own HIV testing, and they give you complete instructions on how to collect your blood and okay. do all of this. You send that off to the lab. You get a prepaid label. Okay. So you don't have to incur any costs. The lab testing costs anywhere between $25 and $100. Okay. Then after a couple of days, they'll process your prescription. They'll go through drug company assistance program if you have commercial insurance and apply for assistance that way. If you are uninsured, they offer assistance that way. So there is a lot of talk about PrEP being unavailable, but in reality, it really is available and for some place, some people affordable. Hmm. Um, I'm curious. Thank you so much for that. And um, I'm curious to know um, what other folks who are watching, what your experience has been with um, PrEP or trying to access PrEP or even some of the discussions around it. Um, Two things. Please make sure that you are hitting the thumbs up button to like this video and also make sure that you're sharing it. Um, This brings up actually, so doing it in the comfort of your own home, I think, becomes... So, okay, when we, when we talk about stigma as it relates to PrEP, um, I have heard um, and somewhat felt, right? So, 
um, in the past of being able to go into certain places to access STI testing, um, and now in some cases accessing PrEP, um, there being a stigma associated with that. You know, um, is that is that a, is that something that you've heard of? Is that real? I know uh, that I've thought. No, it's a it's a real thing. So when people go into healthcare settings or healthcare spaces or even non traditional settings, so we talk about HIV testing in non clinical settings. A lot of times when it comes to PrEP, it's all about assessing your risk. Mm-hmm. So you, ha- you have to have those conversations of what puts you at risk. And depending on who's asking the question and how comfortable you are with the questions that they're answering, yeah, there could be some, some unease yes. in terms of, you know, if you take our, our health departments. Our health departments are, you know, again, governmental agencies. Some of the staff there have been employed there for years, mm-hmm. you know, or you go to your student health center and you have your student health nurse who's this, you know, 60-year-old woman who's mm-hmm. been there and she talks to you. She says, baby and sweetie. Yes. Then you tell her that, hey, I just had, you know, anal intercourse last night. And yeah. you kind of have that. So there's, there's that stigma associated with entering spaces to have open conversations about sex. Yeah. So... Like I said, like for the last two years, I've been holding up this mirror to my colleagues and as physicians and clinicians say, hey, we need to check ourselves and how we ask these questions and yes. how we approach talking about sex with our patients. So, again, if you want to talk about sex with your provider and your provider seems a little bit uneasy, mm-hmm. bring the question up. It's like, hey, if you can't help me understand this realm of what I'm doing sexually or my sexual health, can you send me to someone who, who can or are you willing to learn, yeah. so to speak? But yeah, I think we as healthcare providers really need to be to become much more comfortable with having conversations with our patients about sex because those situations where then you talk about prep stigma, then you make it an even more complicated conversation when yeah. you move into the to the southeastern United States where the epidemic is, yeah. and you have um, religion involved. Yes. You have know family morality in terms of talking about sex and again you know i always say sometimes hiv risk isn't always associated with sex but it is a a big part of it and we really don't talk about sex in the south um i want to talk i want to i want to stay here for a second first of all hey john thank you for joining us um don't forget to put your questions in the box um as well um okay so this idea of I know that for me, um, I have been working to become more comfortable, even in my friend circle, about having open conversations about sex. You know, so even though I have a lot of black gay male friends, um, there is still, you know, there's stuff that you carry with you about not wanting to talk about what you do. You know what I'm saying? And that feeds into all of this stigma. Sex, stigma around sex, stigma around HIV, stigma around PrEP. Um, f- from your perspective as a physician, like, how did you get to the point of being able to have this type of dialogue with your colleagues and your patients? It's a process. So, okay. <laughs> no, it really is. So you get the, you get the training in medical school. Right. You get that nice one-hour conversation. I'm like, hey, this is how to take a sexual history. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very surface level. Are you sexually active? Who do you have sex with? Are you using condoms? Yeah. That's about it. As I started to get more involved in like HIV and more community involved, um, I'll definitely give a shout out to David Bell Branch. Happy Yay. birthday. 
Happy birthday, David. I think when he was here in Atlanta, he's mentored me for years, and he had left and gone to Philly. Um, an organization wanted some other black gay male providers to kind of offer a voice to um, like the HIV epidemic amongst black gay men. So he gave my name to NASDAQ, and I went to D.C., and we just met with like the National Coalition of STD Directors, and we just started having this conversation, and it was both clinical and community, and it was mm-hmm. like, these are the questions we want you to ask. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I really haven't been. I mean, I know what my patients do. You know, when I, I'm seeing patients who are living with HIV, I know what types of sex they're having. Mm-hmm. You know, if they, they're an openly, and they comment on, on being gay or having sex with men or having sex with women. I know what they do, but I was like, I never really asked the question. Mm. And so it just, it's a process. And for other physicians out there, if anybody is watching, mm-hmm. you start to learn to do that. You do it with one patient at a time in terms of like, hey, let me go through this litany of questions. Yeah. And you should be become comfortable with it. Yeah. You know, try to ask in a non-judgmental tone. Even though I've, I think I've been accused a few times of being judgmental, it probably was unintentional or I was having a bad day. Mm-hmm. But it's just kind of, it's a process and you just learn and you adapt and you have conversations with colleagues, yeah. and you have conversations with your patients and you just kind of learn how to do it. Yeah. Like, because you don't come out of med school being able to do it. You don't go into practice being able to do it because a lot of our training is hospital based around acute issues. So when you're just seeing someone who's healthy, you know, and they come in and it's like, you know, what type of sex you're having. You, you, we talk about rectal gonorrhea and oral mm-hmm. gonorrhea and things like that. It's like, I kind of need to know what you're doing and what you're putting where. Right. So I can test you and actually take care of the whole person. And again, I did not come out of med school. I did not come out of fellowship doing this. It just kind of evolved as I in day-to-day practice. Um, we have a question, but I have a question for you before we get to it. Um, and that is, there seems like there's a need to incorporate that into the practice for physicians as well. So it's hard. So, you know, not putting any, you know, not giving them a pass in terms of mm-hmm. medical. Medical education is complex and it's a lot of crap that you got to squeeze into four years. And, mm-hmm. you know, the question is, do you really want your surgeon mm-hmm. asking you those questions? It may be relevant right. at some point, but different specialties, you know, it's kind of like, Sometimes they don't place enough emphasis on it. But for family practice, general practitioners, primary care doctors, it should be part of it. So you get the training. It's just that the training isn't developed. But there are additional trainings that you can seek out on your own. Got it. So once you become a practicing physician, there's a lot of self-directed learning that you have to do. And it kind of depends on what your interest is. If you have a huge interest in diabetes and you want to learn everything about diabetes and how to eat right and how to count carbs for your patients and how to read labels, more power to you. I'm not interested in it. But it's just kind of like as an HIV provider or a sexual health physician, Mm -hmm. I'm interested in having those conversations about what you're doing and how you're doing and how we can best keep you healthy from that perspective. So it's just... probably a lot of self-directed learning you have to and there are resources out there you just kind of have to look for them okay um i want to get to um john thank you so much for this and and um john said you know i guess i don't think about stigma about me being on prep i kind of just tell folks when sex comes up even a heterosexual longtime friend where i just educated her about prep oh thank you so much um john for doing that because i do think us just being able to have these dialogues about prep 
kind of brings down that wall. Right. And I think a lot of people aren't having those conversations. So back to kind of like, you know, I'm using my friend who was on Facebook and we had this long Facebook commentary about prep. She had not heard of it. Mm. You know, I got tagged because, you know, one of our other friends from college and kind of considers me an expert. Mm-hmm. I, kind of, I guess I am, so to speak. But and it was kind of like we just had this conversation. So I, she was like, I didn't know. So I'm that opportunity to learn. And then when you talk about, again, what HIV looks like in the United States, which groups are at risk, you know, there's that conversation. And it just kind of, it, it goes from there. So, yeah, incorporating it into your general conversation. Had a conversation with um, a, a former colleague, said when she was getting her hair done in the salon, there was side conversation mm-hmm. about um prep and she kind of offered her voice into it at the end just Mm -hmm. kind of like hey this is something you know because I think it's unfortunate that a lot of what we see in terms of promotion for prep is for men who have sex with men Mm -hmm. but it's partly because that's the group that's at highest risk but prep is available to anyone who's at risk so that includes men women you know kids you know intravenous drug use anything that will put you at risk for HIV prep is an option for you regardless of sex gender race, anything like that. You know, so bringing that up, actually, I am so, I'm I'm grateful that we have commercials and we have advertising that does speak to um, the black gay community, you know. However, I do also, I see it a lot. (laughs) And that adds another layer of stigma to this conversation right. about preps a dirty word bec- and, and we're talking about this group of people over here which adds another layer to right. this. That's a whole other in terms of stigma. It's like, yeah, people are like, oh, prep is just for black gay men. Right. You know, the World Health Organization kind of got in trouble a couple of years ago when they kind of made a blanket statement that I think you know was probably misinterpreted but they, they reeled back and changed their language where they essentially said that any man who has sex with men anywhere on the planet should be on PrEP. I don't necessarily disagree with it mm-hmm. because if you look at risk of HIV, but I think people kind of took offense at that because mm-hmm. the World Health Organization said, pretty much said, all gay men are, you know, for lack of a better term that I would never use, dirty. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't necessarily use dirty and clean right. when it comes to HIV. But that's kind of the comment that came out of that when the, what the World Health Organization was really saying was that this is the group that's at highest risk, right. so this is the group that really should be having these conversations and should be on prep. Yeah. But people kind of took it a different way. Hmm. Um, as I think about this idea of, so is prep a dirty word? Um, uh, I think the answer to that question is no. no. <laughs> no. The answer to the question of is prep. It's actually a, dirty a good four letter word, so to speak. It is, <laughs> you know. Um, so prep isn't a dirty word, but I, and I think that. Um, what I'm learning from this conversation and even thinking about our previous conversations is the more we normalize the conversation about about sex, about um, uh, who we are and the type of sex that we're having, um, also will reduce the stigma associated with it. Right, which is great. So I have a younger brother. He's 23 mm-hmm. now. But I think when WSB-TV a couple of months ago did a a little blurb on HIV mm-hmm. and they did a little bit of something on PrEP mm-hmm. and he sent me a screenshot because they said you know um, talk about risk of HIV in Atlanta and people should be on PrEP and mm-hmm. there's this pill to prevent HIV you know he's 23 he was in yeah. college he sent me a screenshot he's like is this a real thing wow and I was like 
yes, it is. Mm-hmm. I was like, it is a. He's like, does and we just he and I had this conversation about it. And now, granted, I think my brother is a little bit well versed, just mm-hmm. because we our entire family talked about sex normally as a yeah. normal conversation, as you know, going through puberty, and then nice. me being the physician that I am, you know. Yes, he's still my younger brother, so of course I was teasing him. Right. So, but it was teasing the way where I would leave a little pamphlet about syphilis on his bed, or mm-hmm. I leave a little pamphlet about herpes, and he actually read it. And so yeah. the most heartwarming thing was he was talking with a group of his friends when I was visiting my mom. Mm-hmm. They were having a conversation about sex and HIV, and one of his friends said something, and he corrected them and yes. said that. Thing. So I was like, we didn't have the sit down talk with right. him, but he got enough of the information that he was able to correct his friends. So. Nice. Then for me to have this conversation with him about prep, mm-hmm. you know, that he can then take that conversation to his friends and his his network. So it was just, you know, he asked a simple question. He, he's like, this is what my brother does. So let me ask him. Wow. Yeah. Um, listen, Walter said, if it ain't dirty, you're not doing it right. Yes. Thank you for that, Walter. <laughs> um Dr. Q, I am grateful. Um, it's always grateful to spend time with you, and thank you for your insight. Um, we have to continue to have this dialogue around prep um, because there's so much to learn. I mean, last, on our show, um, so if you go back to the show that we did before this, um, everybody, I'm looking at my computer, but I should be looking at y'all. When we go back to the show that we did before this, y'all, um, Dr. Q brought, there's a bunch of studies that yeah. are happening. There's actually some really exciting stuff going Ooh. on with prep. Some of them I can't talk about. Okay. But there's a bunch of exciting stuff that comes. So in the coming future, there will be more options for HIV prevention than just Truvada as PrEP. So it fits into your lifestyle and whatever types of sex you have or whatever risk you feel that you are. There are tons of options, and some of them look really, really good that are coming down the line. Awesome. Thank you so much. So some things to remember. So thank you all so much for tuning in this evening. Make sure you hit the little thumbs up button down at the bottom of this screen and share this video. You can follow us on Facebook at Counter Narrative Project, on Instagram at The Counter Narrative, and on Twitter at Building Desire. Thank you so much for tuning in to tonight's show and have conversations in your friend groups and your family groups um, about prep. We have to continue to talk about it and have open dialogue. Um, thank you all so much for joining us tonight, everybody. Thank you. Peace.